Online courses are such an incredible opportunity. And since you're listening to this episode right now, I'm guessing you already know that. You already probably have been fully indoctrinated on the wonders of online courses and how powerful they are for making passive income online. They are one of the things that my business sells that makes me passive income. And most of my clients and customers sell online courses of their own and make money online with them. But here's the thing about online courses. Most people who try to make money with online courses don't make any money. Most people who try to make money with online courses never even get their course created. But even people who get their course created often do not turn their course into passive income or any income at all. There are so many mistakes that aspiring course creators make on this journey. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about some of the most common ones and how to avoid them. In this episode, you'll hear one of our startup success coaches, Gabe Cox, interviewing me. So big thank you to Gabe for her help with this episode, and I hope you enjoy. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. What would you say the number one mistake is that you see from course creators when they're getting started? So I would have to say that the number one mistake I see from course creators is probably actually creating the course first rather than the sales page first, which that might sound kind of weird because most people do it the other way around. Most people create the course, then they figure out how to sell it. But this is similar to the concept of designing a product's price tag before you design the product itself, which is a common idea in business strategy. And the idea is that you're designing it with the customer in mind. You're thinking about how much would this customer that we're creating this product really want to spend on this product and then you are designing the product to suit. And you don't just want to do that with your product's price. You want to do that with all the different aspects of your product. And when it comes to an online course, this is especially important because you're creating that online course to help someone achieve something, most likely. At least that's what you should be doing with most online courses. And so you need to know what the customer actually wants, and you need to have that outcome clear and keep it in mind so that you can create a course that will be easy to sell and will help the customer get the result they want so you can have the most satisfied customers possible because those are the customers that are going to send you more referral customers and that will make your marketing in the future even easier, make you make more money in the future. So when you are creating your course, make sure you actually design the sales page. You can even create the sales page before the course and that will enable you to create the course a lot more successfully, create a course that's a lot easier to sell, and create a course that ultimately goes on to be a lot more successful. Is there a recommended length for a course? How long is too long? Another really common mistake that I see people make with their courses is making their courses just way too long. Once you have that end outcome in mind and you're really clear about exactly what you are trying to achieve with your course or what you're trying to help your students achieve, then you can make sure that you only include content, only include lessons or videos or tutorials, whatever you're putting in your course, but only include those things that are necessary for helping your students achieve their end goal. 
Because if you want your students to be as successful as possible, then you need to make sure that you include absolutely everything that can help them to be the most successful. But if you fill your course up with extra fluff, it's just like information about the topic instead of those most necessary things that will really help them be successful, then your course will ultimately end up being too long and it will make it really hard for your students to get through it, which will reduce the amount of success that your students get and will overall reduce the referrals you get and reduce the amount of money that your course goes on to make. Another reason why sometimes courses overwhelm students and make it so that the students are less likely to succeed with them is because they are trying to cover just too general of a topic. So if your course is designed to kind of be a complete guide to something, or it's supposed to be a comprehensive look at a topic, then it is going to really struggle to successfully get your students that result to help them really achieve something. And it ultimately isn't going to add as much value to their lives, which means you won't be able to charge as much for it. And again, you won't be getting those referrals. What happens when a course creator tries to put too many results into their one course? Another way that you can make your course too broad and too unfocused is by trying to accomplish something too big with your course. Now, what I don't mean by that is that you're trying to achieve one single outcome that is too big or that you're trying to go too deep with a subject. That is practically never an issue. But what is an issue is when you try to achieve too many related aims together. So for example, if you are creating a business course, you want to make a really clear specific objective. Like for example, helping your students to grow their email list or work on their Instagram strategy or work on developing their company's organization or something like that. And even those would need to be turned into specific tangible outcomes for the course. So for example, something like hire your first assistant or onboard a project manager or something like that, rather than just like grow your company's team. But while it's hard to go too deep or too big with your outcome for your course, it is really easy to say, oh, I'll just create like a course to help people make their businesses more successful or can make more money in their business. And then you might have a whole bunch of related outcomes. So like, okay, I'll help them grow their audience and I'll help them work on their sales systems and I'll help them actually close the sales and I'll help them also work with their customers and all these different related outcomes. But most of the time, courses are the most successful if they focus on just one big outcome. Perfect. Let's dive into the course itself. Does the course have to have video? So contrary to what is kind of common in the marketplace, there is no reason why digital courses have to have video. And there's actually a few really good arguments for why sometimes they shouldn't. Now, before I get into that, I'll just talk about the fact that video, I mean, it is really powerful. And a lot of students and for a lot of topics, it is the best medium. So if you're teaching how to do something that is visual, for example, one of my students has a course about caring for houseplants. She needs to show in her course how to repot houseplants and how to water houseplants and where to place houseplants in the house. And so for all of those types of things that are more visual, it's really helpful for her to have videos in her course. But if you're teaching a course about something that is more nuanced or philosophical, something that is less practical and physical, then sometimes having it be an audio course or a written course can actually be more powerful 
because maybe you can communicate on a deeper level. Maybe you can communicate more effectively, just be your personal communication style via written word versus video. It also means that your students can more easily skim the lessons. So there's a lot of like step-by-step in your course, then sometimes having lessons be written can help your students to more easily digest them and go back and find the next step rather than having to rewatch the whole video. And one more reason why it can be better sometimes to have it be text or audio based is because those tend to be much easier to update. (laughs) So once you have your entire course filmed, if you need to go in and make a change to it, oftentimes you have to re-record the entire video Sometimes you can just re-edit it, but even just re-editing it takes a fair amount of time. You might have to take those original files and upload them into your video editor and take all the time to edit the video or send it back to someone who works for you, who is the editor. And then a lot of the time that doesn't really work. So you have to refilm the video and then maybe that video doesn't match the rest of the videos in the course and you might not like that. Whereas with a text or even an audio lesson, you can really easily just edit it as you normally would edit any sort of text document. And so you can keep the course up to date. So if it's about a topic that changes frequently, then you might want to go with text or audio instead of video, or at least have a large component of the course be text or audio, even if you also include video tutorials for the parts that are more visual. Recently, I recorded a brand new podcast mini-series called The 100K Method. Now, this podcast series is not something that I am adding new episodes to every week. I designed it as a complete whole. It's just 10 episodes long, and it is going to teach you everything you need to know about the 100K method, which is the system that I use to generate passive income with my online courses. So in short, the 100K method is a complete automated sales funnel system. So it includes everything from how you attract customers into your business, how you warm them up, to how you ultimately close the sale. Like I said, it's a fully automated process, so you don't have to be involved with doing things like sales calls or closing people in the DMs or anything like that to sell your online course. We have installed the 100K method into hundreds of course creators' businesses at this point in all sorts of different industries and niches to sell courses on every topic under the sun. And it is crazy how consistently it works and how passively it works. So if you are looking for a new strategy for selling your online course that is both effective and also does not require you to be hands-on with the sales process, then I would love to invite you to listen to the 100k method like i said it's only 10 episodes long of course it's completely free i'm going to be leaving a link to the podcast series in the description below this episode so that you can find it and listen to you can just go through download all the episodes and then just binge listen to it i know a lot of the time i have trouble with starting new podcasts because i'm not sure whether i should start with the most recent episode or the first episode or somewhere in the middle but with this series you're not going have to make that decision because it will be super obvious. You should just start with episode one, listen all the way through, and then you'll know how to start selling your online course a whole lot more effectively and take it up to $100,000 a year, which is really the whole goal of the 100K method. So again, you can find the link to that series in the show notes below, or just open up whatever podcast player you like to use and search for the 100K method, and you should be able to find it. So how can you determine your students' learning styles? 
so that you can adapt the course to fit their needs. As you're thinking about whether you want to do a video course or an audio or a text-based course, one thing to consider is your students' learning styles. So I have a course that is text-based, and initially it was almost entirely text. And now on the one hand, this is one of my most profitable courses, which just proves that you don't necessarily need to have video in your course. But there was an issue that we were running into where there were some students who said, I'm really visual and this isn't really working for me. So we added in a fair number of video tutorials for those parts of the course that needed to be communicated more visually. In the case of this course specifically, there were some things we needed to show them how to do on the computer. So making a screen shared video was really helpful for that. And also those videos tend to be easier to make. That's another thing to keep in mind. You don't necessarily need to do talking head videos. You could do talking head videos, but you also could screen share if you're teaching people how to do something that they do on the computer. Or you could create slides and do slide presentations throughout your course with a voiceover. What would you say are key factors that lead to low engagement or completion rates in online courses? You can really increase your online course completion rate and the results your students get if you use frameworks throughout your course. Now, this could be a whole separate video on its own, but in short, a framework is where you take a concept that you are teaching to your students, you give it a name, and you use some sort of a visual example to illustrate how the strategy works. Or you also could use some sort of analogy to illustrate how the strategy works. But basically, you want to take what is vague and theoretical and turn it into a system and something that they can really visualize so that they understand it better and so that they remember it better. If you use frameworks throughout your course, for example, one framework per module or phase or a simple small framework in each lesson, then it really increases your students' engagement and it helps them to more easily take action on what they learn. And it makes your content feel more proprietary and unique since these are your unique frameworks that you invented. And so they're going to be different than what they find in any other free course or in free content, which is something they might be comparing your course to as they're determining whether it was really worth their money or not. So use frameworks throughout your course for much better results. How about when it comes to having a self-paced course versus having some live events or live aspects to it. One, how do you know when to do that? And does the live aspect make your course more engaging? If you want, you can include live aspects in your course, like office hours or live coaching sessions or workshops, or you can even host the entire course as a live experience. Now, this can really increase your students' engagement, and oftentimes we see that it increases the student completion rates and even the results that your students get, which can be surprising, I think. Like, you might think that if you gave them all the information they needed, then why would they be more likely to be successful, more likely to get the result that they're looking for if you just, you know, offer this live video once a week or offer it as a live experience versus a recorded experience, but... I think it's the fact that the students feel a little bit of scarcity or urgency. So they feel like if they don't attend the live stream of the class, then they're going to miss out. And humans really hate the prospect of missing out. It gives them a lot of concern and they really want to avoid it. 
So your students are a lot more likely to consume the material if you offer it as a live experience versus pre-recorded. And what's more, because they are interacting with you in this alive setting, they're more likely to ask their questions and get the coaching that they need to figure out how to solve their unique obstacles so that they can apply what they're learning to their own situation. Whereas if you just pre-record the whole course, and there's certainly advantages to that too, and you can make the course overall be better quality and perhaps include deeper information in it. And so I really recommend that people include both aspects in their course, at least eventually. But if you do that, then you can feel a little bit more distant. And so the students might not reach out for help when they need it. And that can lead them to getting stopped when they run into some sort of roadblock. You know, they're going through the course and then they're like, suddenly, how do I do that? Because, you know, my situation is different. And when that happens, then they can just end up giving up and think that their situation isn't compatible with what you're teaching or that what you're teaching just doesn't work. Whereas if you have them in a live Zoom room, then most of the time they raise their hand and they say, hey, but what about this? And so you really just get more opportunity to coach them when they need it. That's great. And so on that subject, essentially, how important is it to obtain student feedback and what ways can you obtain it? But what should course creators do with that information? So once you are done creating your course, you are not done creating your course, right? You create it and you will launch it. Maybe you'll do a beta launch or a validation launch. You'll get it out there in the world and then you'll start getting feedback from students. And even if they don't say anything, that's feedback too, right? Because that's telling you something. That's telling you that they are not engaging with the material and that, or that for some reason they don't really feel able to ask you for advice or that they don't feel that connection with you. Or maybe you just have a couple students in the class and, you know, most students don't necessarily reach out and ask for help when they need it. So you need to follow up with those students and find out what their experience has been. Where did they get stuck or were they successful? So that you can learn how to improve your course. Because the more you improve your course, the easier it's going to be for you to sell, both because you'll be more confident in its value and also just because the more successful your students are, the more they're going to get out there and talk about your course. It might be telling their friends and family about some success that they've had and mentioning your course in the process, or it might be talking to other people in your industry when they're sharing about how great your course has been or If your course isn't that great, then they will talk about that too. So you need to make sure that your customers are working for you, not against you. So when you're done creating a course and you sell it, you're not done creating it. Every time after you sell it, you really got to go back to the drawing board with it and think about how you can make it better. And I'd recommend doing that every time before you do a launch so that you go into the launch with the greatest confidence that you can possibly have that your course really is awesome and that it really will deliver the result that you're promising. Do you have any tips on the maintenance side of courses? So as you're looking at what needs to be updated, how do you make sure that the curriculum can stay up to date? When it comes to figuring out how to improve your course, I think there's two main things you'll want to take into consideration. One is feedback that you're getting from customers. And then the other thing is, has anything in the world changed that affects the content that you're sharing? So if your content has something to do with social media or some piece of software or something like that, has there been an update? Does the software look different now or function differently now? Or have you become aware of maybe new strategies that you want to teach in your course? 
So just make sure that it is up to date, up to industry standards, and up to just like the general state of whatever the world is that your course exists in. Ultimately, the more focused your course is on one specific, tangible, meaningful outcome, and the better of a job you do in the course of guiding students toward achieving that outcome, the more confidence you're going to have in the value of your course, and the more successful your students will be, which means that they are more likely to send you more customers without you having to do that marketing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins. And until next week, stay focused and take action.